This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. 52 weeks, 365 days, or 525,949 minutes. No matter how you say it, it all means one year. Within a year, we celebrate various events like New Year's, Valentine's, Easter, birthdays, Thanksgiving, Remembrance Day, and Christmas. We watch four seasons come, change, and go within one year. One year is how long I waited for my phone to ring. The day that I picked up the phone to let me know that a match had been made and the perfect guide dog was waiting for me was one of the most amazing days that I've experienced in my life so far. But it took a whole year to happen. I'm Becky Zarr, and this is The Blind Reality. Interestingly enough, the primary feeling that I was experiencing at that moment was relief. I had no idea that my shoulders were that tight and that I had transitioned into a slightly shallower form of breathing. That was until I got that phone call. And I finally felt my body start to relax and let go of some of the stress that it was holding on to. All the times that I had wondered if I had made the right decision when I submitted my application for a guide dog, all the hesitations that I had about getting a guide dog, all of my second guessing was instantly washed away. The day that I got that call, with a voice on the other end to let me know that a perfect match had been made. And soon, this box too would be checked to allow me to move forward in my life. The lady on the phone had told me that I had been matched with my future guide dog. When she said these words, happiness and a profound sense of joy ran throughout me. With a giant smile on my face, I remember flipping my phone to speakerphone, so my husband and son had listened in to this long-awaited conversation. I was told that I was matched with a female Black Lab Golden Retriever cross who was 22 months old. While listening to these details, I could hear my son gasp with excitement. Reading his mind and my own, my excitement began to rise even further. As I began to wonder if I had been matched with one of the guide dog puppies that we had an opportunity to meet just one year prior as a result of some of the volunteer work I was doing. Out of the four puppies that we had met, there was one female and she was definitely a shining star. Her name was Lulu. She was beautiful, calm and had easily captured a piece of my heart. Feeling like a five-year-old at Christmas, I could barely contain my excitement. I knew that my odds of being matched with Lulu were very slim. There were puppies being raised at various locations right across the country with the aspiration of them graduating as guide dogs as well. Unable to wait one second longer, I had to ask the lady if she could share the dog's name with me. Happily, she replied to me, yes, absolutely, her name is Lulu. 
Bennett let out an uncontainable squeal. At the same time, I started to giggle. I was matched with Lulu. I kind of felt like I had won the guide dog lottery, if there was such a thing. Our family had the opportunity to meet Lulu as a puppy, and that typically does not happen. But as a result, I felt a little connected to her even before she arrived on our doorstep. My training was scheduled to start in just over one week and would last for 10 days. I was so grateful that I didn't have to go away to do this training, but rather a trainer from Ontario was coming to me. Our family spent the next few days eagerly preparing for Lulu's arrival. We went and bought her a fluffy dog bed, picked her out some toys and bones. I ordered her this super cute flower name tag and of course some pink dog bowls. We spread the word to friends and family that a new member would be joining our home soon. Training day finally arrived. I was so geared up and felt totally ready to take on this next adventure. Unfortunately, this feeling did not last long but rather my confidence had totally plummeted within a few minutes of getting started. This was gonna be a totally different experience than what I had anticipated. At the beginning of the training process, I remember feeling a bit stunned. I had seen other people navigate using a guide dog and they made it look so effortless and simple. So I kind of thought that people were matched with these amazingly smart, well-trained and obedient guide dogs. They provided some instruction to the human and essentially off they went. Wrong. That image in my perspective now is totally wrong. Well, with the exception of the dog being amazingly smart and very well trained. That part is entirely true. I, on the other hand, had no idea what I was doing, despite all of my planning efforts. During that one year that I was waiting to be matched, I had joined various guide dog handler groups in attempts of learning as much as I possibly could in advance. I would listen to their stories, jot down a few of their tips and recommended must-have items. When I was matched, before my training actually started, I was provided a manual to review. I not only reviewed it, but I actually memorized several components. I also felt like I had a slight advantage because I had a couple of friends who had guide dogs and I had really closely watched their interactions over the years. So that had to help me. I knew that there was gonna be a lot to do and learn, but I thought that my preparation would at least provide me with a sense of comfort. I was totally wrong. I stood there on a sidewalk, not far from my house, with my head spinning, feeling completely out of my element. I had been really looking forward to this opportunity My anticipation and excitement was bubbling over. I felt like I was so close to recapturing another part of myself, but 
At this moment, I did not experience the feelings that I thought I would, but rather a sense of hopelessness began to consume me. I tried hard to focus on my trainer's words and concentrate on both my actions and Lulu's at the same time. Trying to process the directions that I was given, my placement, the dog's placement, as well as all of the auditory and tactile feedback that I was supposed to be understanding and processing. Despite my efforts, it felt like nothing was going into my head. It felt like I was absorbing none of the information that I should have been. I could feel my level of frustration beginning to rise. I have always hated disappointing others, but the feeling of disappointing myself at this moment was going to feel even worse. Learning to walk with a guide dog is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. I just felt so overwhelmed. I was not confident in my actions or Lulu's judgment. I suddenly had flashbacks to how I felt when I was initially learning how to use my beloved white cane. I just couldn't help feeling all of the ugliness that went along with that. And here I was, once again, fighting for my independence and safety. When sighted, walking was just something I did with minimal effort. It just happened naturally. Now, as I stood there on the sidewalk, holding onto a harness, giving direction to the dog using my hands and feet while speaking the corresponding command, well, it felt anything but natural. And if I'm being completely honest, several times over that 10-day training, I wanted to quit. I wanted to just go inside, sit on my couch, and escape reality. But I didn't quit. Once again, I kept taking step after step, making errors and just trying again. Several times, I caught myself looking down at the blurred image of the amazing dog that stood next to me. She didn't know me, but to her, that didn't matter. She just happily did her job, trusting in me when I was learning to trust in her. As we approached a park and were getting ready to turn in for the first time, I could feel my level of stress rising even further because I was familiar with this park. And as a result, I knew that twisted walking paths stretched around play structures and weaved throughout urban trees. This park was home to a small urban lake, and as a result, geese and rabbits lived there too. It was also a common place to find children on bikes, as well as families walking their pet dogs. As a sighted person, parks like these are used to represent calmness and an escape. Now... Parks like these to me invoked a level of anxiety because there was no way to predict on my own what was coming next. And I also knew that I no longer possessed the independent ability to navigate those winding paths that laid in front of me. Standing in front of the park, listening to information from my instructor, 
While I mentally prepared myself for some epic failure, my thoughts were suddenly interrupted by a light repetitious feeling of Lulu's tail bouncing off my side in excitement. She was excited about this new adventure that I was totally terrified of. I couldn't help but smile and completely admire her. She felt confident. At least one of us was, I guess. But it was at that moment that I handed her a little piece of trust. She had this, and I had to let her show me that she had me too. We were a team, and it was time to start to build our relationship. As the days progressed, so did we. Lulu and I started to get into a groove. Things were finally starting to click, and my mind was in fact actually slowly absorbing the information, and I could feel a little flicker of confidence back. My trainer kept on encouraging me, complimenting us, and commending me for all the progress that Lulu and I had made. She pushed me outside of my comfort zone, a place that I don't typically like to leave, but it was her encouragement and kind nature that made it all possible. By the end of our training, the bounce in my step had not fully returned, but I totally had a feeling that it was still in me. I just had to continue to put the work in so that one day I could actually find it. They say that it takes about a year to fully develop a guide dog team. And Lulu and I most definitely had good times and bad during that time. It was a slow progression, but there was just so much for both of us to figure out. Internally, I had decided to place my white cane at the front door, where it had been perched for the last several years. Initially, I had placed it there as a convenience factor when I used to use it, just because I could easily grab it as I was heading out the door. But this time, I placed it there for a whole nother reason. It was positioned in its spot as a motivational reminder to myself. Because on those really difficult days, just knowing it was there kept me going. It encouraged me to work through those challenging moments with Lulu because more than anything, I did not want to have to revert back to once again, depending on it. Obviously, a part of me still really hates that cane, and I totally admit that. But a bigger piece of my heart is already full of love for Lulu. With her by my side, I now feel more like that familiar person that I once was. She allows me to be the mom that I had always envisioned myself being. I can independently navigate a rink, restaurant, or mall on my own. And now, as we approach that once terrifying park, we both enter it with ease. Getting a guide dog was most definitely the right decision for me. And I now realize that I likely should have had one a few years earlier. But I also know that if I would have done so, Lulu would be living in a different home, walking beside somebody else and living a different life that just wasn't meant to be because she is most definitely meant to be with me.
Today, I'm really excited to be joined by my next guest, Karen Hanlon. She is very much an expert when it comes to literally anything that pertains to guide dogs. I consider myself very fortunate to have had her as my guide dog instructor. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you very much, Becky. I'm really happy to be here. My first question is, what initially drew you in to wanting to become a guide dog instructor? I didn't really know much about guide dogs at all before I applied to become an instructor. I um, I had just finished university. I had been studying zoology in, in Manitoba and was looking for a job uh, and couldn't really come up with something in my field. I was very passionate about dogs, loved training my own pet dog. Um, but apart from that, I really didn't have any experience with guide dogs or, or even people with sight loss. So it was really my sister who got me into it because she told me about a, a guide dog organization that was opening up a new a new school in, in Ontario. And uh, I just applied thinking this sounds perfect for me. I love dogs, but I wanted a career that was more um, not just the dog side of it, but, uh, you know, that I felt was really valuable and was helping people in some way. Um, so I got really lucky that I, I was accepted into the, into the um, Guide Dog Mobility Instructor Apprenticeship. Wow. Thanks so much to your sister for clearly steering you in the right direction. I'm, that's just awesome. Can you share a little bit about what goes into the training of a guide dog? Yes, I can. And as I said, when I started, I really didn't know very much about uh, guide dogs. And I think that's pretty much the same for most people that are out there. They see the guide dogs working occasionally and are always amazed by by how well they work and, and the, the incredible job that they do for the person that they, they work with. But yeah, there's not a lot of understanding, I, I don't think, of uh, how the dog works and how the dog learns how to work. But it really starts right from when they're about eight weeks old. When they're about that age, they are placed with volunteers that are called puppy raisers. And those people are, uh, they're just so valuable to our program because if if it wasn't for them, um, the likelihood of our dogs succeeding later on when they go into training is is much, much less. So the puppy raisers, they socialize the puppies, they house train them, they teach them good manners. And basically their, their main role is just to send back into training when they're ready to go into their training, a dog that's confident and happy and uh, you know, able to face the world and face all the things that they may come across when they're a guide dog. So when they're about 12 to 15 months old, they do come from whichever puppy raising club they're in, whether it's, you know, there's one in Halifax, Toronto, Winnipeg, Regina, Calgary. So they come from their puppy clubs and they head into Ottawa at about 12 to 15 months old. So just outside of Ottawa, we have a training facility um, in Carlton Place. And it's called our canine campus. And uh, that's where they are placed with an instructor or a guide dog trainer. And they start their formal guide dog training. So by this stage, we think, we hope they have, like I said, they're pretty well socialized. They have the basics of of being well-behaved dog, but they don't know anything about guiding yet. So it's up to the trainer to take them out um, really, really consolidate all their obedience training and then also teach them the guide role. So that includes stopping at curbs. Um, They have to learn how to cross roads straight and uh, nice and steadily so that if on the way across the road um, a vehicle comes, that's another part of their training is they learn how to 
um, be very careful, cautious around moving traffic to keep their their person and and the dogs themselves to keep them both safe. Um, we teach them how to. Another big part is we teach them how to avoid obstacles along the way. So you know, a person with sight when they're walking down the sidewalk, they they can naturally just walk around all the obstacles that are there. Um, a person, person with sight loss may may bump into things, and it's the dog's responsibility to learn to guide that person around things. So to leave enough space between themselves, the dog between themselves and the person that they're guiding, uh, so that they're there's room on their right-hand side for that person to get past things as well as the dog themselves. Um, so those are the main things. The, another really useful thing, and, and as a guide dog handler, you can, you can vouch for this, is that the dogs, they have sight, they have memory, and they have initiative. So they're pretty clever things, and they can, they can learn how to uh, find something for the person that they're guiding. So the person may, may ask the dog to... Um, find the door or find the elevator or find the stairs and the dog starts looking around when they're indicated that that's what they're supposed to be doing and they use their their sight and their memory and their initiative and they start to to guide the person over to the place that the person has asked them to find but so there are all those things that they learn Um, basically how they learn them is they will go out for training walks usually twice a day once in the morning and once in the afternoon with their trainer to all sorts of different training areas around uh, the Ottawa Carlton area Um, some indoors so like shopping malls and and stores and mostly out outdoors just on sidewalks and um, occasionally in in places where there aren't sidewalks and suburban areas. Uh, and it's basically all their training is, is um, positive reinforcement type of training. And all that really means is that whenever the dog does the right thing, they're rewarded for it. So it's a very nice, uh, it's a very happy, enjoyable experience for the dog and for the trainer because, uh, you know, every time they do something right, it's a real it's a joy to actually give the dogs a reward and, and the dog's happy and they just want to do it again. Um, so in a nutshell, I mean, there's so much more to it than that, but that's, that's pretty much uh, how we train our dogs uh, to guide somebody with sight loss. I obviously think Lulu's totally brilliant, but the find feature, or at least that's what I call it, is amazing. And she loves to do it. She's so proud of herself at the end. And I can tell she kind of gives me this look like, yeah, yeah, I totally nailed that. My next question is, is there something that you look for or consider to help you identify whether or not the dog is enjoying their training to become a guide dog? Yeah, and that's another good question because... um I think people who don't really know much about guide dogs and how, how they work, sometimes we hear that, oh, that poor dog, they have to work. Um, they have to go out there and they have to work. I can tell you, hand on heart, I've done this for such a long time, and I don't know one single guide dog that's out there that doesn't enjoy working. I would have to say that there are some that start to go through their training that have a lower what we would call willingness or motivation or a low drive. Sometimes it's too low for them to be a guide dog. A guide dog is very, very specific type of dog that we're looking for. They have to have high willingness. They have to be quite confident and, um, you know, able to cope. So not, not too sensitive. Um, 
So all those things that go into the type of dog that we're looking for, of course, we're looking for a good health and all those things as well. But if we had a dog that didn't really want to do it, that dog wouldn't become a guide dog. And that would be absolutely fine. That dog might see the better role, like the buddy dog role, which is um, a pretty easy role for one of our dogs. It's a, it's basically a companion dog for a young um, person with sight loss, um, just to get them used to having a dog and knowing the responsibilities. And there's also ambassador dogs. If it doesn't fit one of those roles, they will become a, a lovely pet. But most of our dogs, when they're out there, they love the work that they do. And if you can imagine any pet dog, when that leash comes out of the cupboard and the person says, let's go for a walk, and that dog gets so excited and its tail goes and they're just like jumping all over, let's go. The same thing happens, and, and you can probably vouch for this, when, when the harness comes out and you're at home and you're ready to go for a walk, that, that dog, the guide dog, they don't stay on their beds. They're there. They're ready to go. Their tail's going. They're just so excited to go out for their walk. Um, and they get so much support from the handler. And they love it when they're rewarded for doing the right thing. And they're given a little treat or, you know, a big pat on the head. And so, I mean, that's, that's what I would say is that, that if, if anybody followed a guide dog, their tail generally is up and wagging. They're just loving their dog. Um, but yeah, those very few that, that wouldn't want to do it, they are not forced to do it. They, they would have another role that they would be happier with, and that's fine too. You essentially described Lulu's demeanor when we were getting ready to leave the house. You know, even back when we were working on her becoming more comfortable to go to Bennett's hockey games, she was a bit nervous, but I got her her hockey blanket, as we call it. And now I just say to her, like, go grab your hockey blanket. And she's like, yeah, we're going to a hockey game. As she runs over and, you know, gets her blanket and stuff. And I actually tease my son and say, you know what, when you're older, you should try to find a job that you love to do just as much as Lulu loves to do her job. It's super cute. So my last question is, I just want you to be honest. What was it like for you to train Lulu and I as a team? What am I going to say, Becky? It was a pleasure. (laughs) But I am telling you completely honestly, it was such a joy to train you with Lulu. I, over the last five or six years, I've been, um, I haven't been doing that much dog training and training people with their dogs because I'm more in the management side of things now. But it is it's really nice to get back to, to the job that I love uh, as a guide dog mobility instructor and to, to get a dog that's matched to a, to a person, to a client, and to work with them together. And you were absolutely no, no exception. I um, flew out from the Ottawa area to, to Regina, was there for a couple of weeks. And we worked together pretty much every day, I think. I think maybe we had a a weekend day off or something like that, but pretty much every day, morning and afternoon. And uh, it was just, we went through all the things that you had, you had to learn because you were a first time guide dog handler yourself. So Lulu was doing well, cooperating really well. Uh, I think you and Lulu took to each other in no time at all. And, And as to the rest of your family they seem to enjoy her and it was just a really pleasant experience nice location the dog was happy and from what I from what I understand or from what I my experience with with you was that you seem to to enjoy the experience as well it's hard work there's no doubt about it especially for somebody who's not done it before Um, it's hard work Uh, initially the dog doesn't doesn't know you and um, doesn't really have the respect that you have to to gain over a bit of time the mutual respect between you and your dog 
but no, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was a really nice two weeks and, and what a, a joy at the end of it when I stood back and said, right, you head off on your walk from home. And it was, I don't know, 40 minute walk, something like that. And I was just right out of the way watching from a distance. And uh, it was just, it was just so satisfying, rewarding to see you working with Lulu pretty much independently. And, um, you know, I, I could imagine that the smile was on your face, even though I couldn't, couldn't see you up, up close. But uh, yeah, so it, was, it was fun. And that brings us to the end of this episode of The Blind Reality. I'd like to thank my guide dog mobility instructor, Karen Handlin, for her patience and constant encouragement, and for joining me to have a conversation today. And as always, I'd like to thank my family for their continued love and support. This episode was written and produced by me, Becky Zarr. Technical production was provided by AMI-audio's Nisreen Abdel-Majid, and the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Remember, until next time, if you need a hand, get it. If you can give a hand, give it. Thanks for listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.